Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelly Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders, giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations. Today, we're welcoming Jory Sachs to the show. Jory is currently the head of the Technology Innovation Lab at United Airlines, where she is responsible for launching the company's first ever innovation lab. With accomplishments spanning a 23-year career across legal, marketing, corporate partnerships, innovation, and digital technology functions at entertainment and lifestyle brands, she is skilled at speaking many functional languages to build bridges across teams with competing or disparate priorities in matrixed organizations. Jory is known for infusing a playful and human spirit into everything she does. She loves inspiring others to think differently, act purposefully, and react with empathy. Additionally, Jory is involved with United's DEI champion community and internal business resource groups. Welcome to the show, Jory. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. I really appreciate you making the time. Jory, uh, if you could kick us off, I mean, I think everybody knows who United Airlines is, right? Especially anybody in the Chicagoland area. It's been a big part of all of our histories. I grew up in Mount Prospect right by... Uh, you know, one of the big facilities there. So it's something that even at an early age uh, always was kind of omnipresent for me. But if you could uh, tell us a little bit about more your role and the Innovation Lab and some of your goals there. Yeah, so our Innovation Lab named Airshop is meant to help United see around corners for competitive advantage, industry disruption. And what we really focus on is inspiring our own peers uh, across the company in order to accelerate their own long-term plans. We also look to test and learn emerging technologies that are five plus years out, explore what we don't know, better understand where the future is headed from an employee operations standpoint to customer experience and everything in between. So it's a lot of fun. We love to tinker, break things, create new that others have not experienced or done. And we're really the anti-standard group within the company, which as you can imagine, uh, an airline company that's focused on getting planes out and safety being number one, it's a little unconventional and non-traditional. And uh, I like that. I'm very excited that we were able to get this running a little over a year and a half ago, and I'm privileged to be leading it. That's awesome. I think it is a big challenge, especially when you think airlines, right? Accuracy, efficiency, safety, it's just part of the culture. And it's got to be a bit of a challenge to go against the grain. Is that what are some of the things that you do to help make people feel safe or okay, or to engage in these types of conversations or to inspire some of these thoughts? Well, I'm lucky that we have a phenomenal leader in Scott Kirby, and he believes in the vision of United being the number one airline in the history of aviation. And in order to achieve that, you really have to be pushing the envelope for yourself, as well as for the industry. We're not going to be leaders unless we're out there taking risks. And I would say that one thing that I do is just help to spread what he believes in. And that is, it's okay to fail. You want to fail safely and in a, a safer environment, protective environment. That's part of what we're offering. We have a physical space away from the operations where we can run R&D with peers. 
And that's really exciting because traditionally you would test in a small space within one of our operational facilities and you run the risk of impacting the operations or the experience for our employees. Safety is always core and paramount. And oftentimes that means we have to be much more conservative and measured in what we do. So having a safe space to be able to play and test and try, it really harkens back to you know us as kids when we really didn't think about the consequences of it. If you're doing it right and you're doing it within the confines of a safe environment, then there's really limitless possibilities. So I like to form relationships across the company and help instill the same values that our leader believes in and help them look at things a little bit from an outside perspective. I don't have a deep industry background. I've only been in the airline industry for five years. That's actually pretty rare. Most people that are in the airline industry are second generation, could be third generation. They average 20, 30, up to even 40 years and more. And so because of that, there's so much knowledge, there's so much history, and being able to pair that up with someone like myself that doesn't have that rich history, but might have an understanding of what it's like in other industries can bring a a new perspective. And in the climate nowadays of wanting to be much more inclusive and diverse in thought experience, it being equitable is only really fair when you're taking multiple thoughts and perspectives into account. And so we also really believe in working together. Nothing is, is siloed or individualized. And one of our major tenants is that we are built in order to support the enterprise. We are not behind a curtain working remotely on all the sexy projects that no one else gets a chance to work on. It's the complete opposite. And that's also very, very important to me and up through leadership when we built this. Awesome. Uh, And I think that's an important distinction when we get into how people view innovation. As you mentioned, you're engaging with the business, right? I think a lot of people think the innovation team is more times than not some far off, you know, white tower yeah. uh, like, yeah, the lab and we're, we're coming up with the brand new things, but your engagement, your goals are to encourage and empower other aspects, you know, the, your, your teammates, your, your coworkers to think differently as, as we mentioned in your introduction. Yeah, absolutely. There's many ways to innovate, but everyone has the capacity to do it. Mm. I think sometimes it can be very intimidating. I know myself, I never saw myself as a creative or an innovator or a visionary. There are many days where I still don't, but it really depends on the context of it. And in the end, when you have the philosophy that we all have the capacity to innovate within our own respective roles and teams, you make the organization that much stronger and the future that much brighter. And our chief customer officer has a quote, inclusion propels innovation. And that's really important for us. That's how I've lived my career, to be honest. And I think the the more ideas, the more perspectives, the better. And, you know, you can talk about frameworks for more of the traditional corporate innovation and, and what that means to be in a corporate innovation role versus a corporate strategy role versus corporate development or, or insert other you know team title or moniker here. But at the end of the day, if you're approaching things through multiple perspectives, you're thinking about it differently, you're throwing the rules out the window and just trying something new, taking risks, 
then you're innovating in your own way. And you will likely land on some pretty surprising outcomes. And from that, you take it as far as you want or need or can go. In regards to the engaging with people, because I know you and I know that you've got a contrarian, you know, bend to how you, right? You see things differently and you feel compelled to make change. That is not everybody's natural capabilities, right? And that's not to make one thing better or worse. It's to acknowledge that certain people, are there things that you've learned or strategies or what do you think is most successful when you find somebody who maybe doesn't feel like they have the authority or they have the power? Is there something that you can do to encourage them to think in a different way, to be a little bit more contrarian than I think is natural or or comfortable? Or is that even a bad idea? Well, I mean, make no mistake about it. I, I love structure. I love consistency. I love norms and standards. And so I really don't ever literally paint outside the lines. I'm someone that loves to paint within the lines. But that said, I love to challenge the status quo and conventional wisdom. I, from a very young age, I asked why about everything. I'm a learner. It was less about throwing every single existing rule out the window just to do it. I'm not necessarily an anarchist in that way. (laughs) But, you know, I do question when you've done something for so long and you've gotten the same results or negative results or just not the results that you want anymore and you want to pivot. What does that mean? Well, that means you're going to have to, you know, approach some things differently. You're going to have to maybe bring in other resources. You're going to have to circle left instead of circling right. And I think it takes just having an open mind. And honestly, if you are closed-minded, you're not going to work well with others. You're not going to form great relationships in life. It's just the way the world works. So from an early age, I just wanted to expose myself to a lot. And I would say that would be the first thing I would do is if there was somebody that thought that they didn't have the capacity to, whether it's innovate or do something differently or be conceptual or what have you, I would say there's probably aspects of your life where you're trying new things. And I would first start there. What are those? You know, how does that make you feel? Why do you like that in that environment and not another environment? And I would try and pull on that and also have them focus more on baby steps for change or trying something new. It's not about coming up with this next big transformational idea necessarily. Sometimes it's just a matter of you know, you're stressed out and you want a new approach to how you organize your day. You know, let's try one or two things and it can make a world of difference. Now let's take that a little step further into, you know, how you approach strategy or problem solving. And it gets more comfortable as you do it. And as you surround yourself with people that are more comfortable doing it, you kind of take on some learnings from them. And and so I think being a mentor is, is also really, really important and relevant to doing, to helping others. And did you have any mentors yourself who helped you with, you know, the way that you think about the world? I would say I've always, I've always tethered myself to strong leaders. Oftentimes they were my own managers. And in my career, I have reacted the most positively and had the most amount of growth when I've surrounded myself with people that didn't act or think the way I did. And I did have one that honestly helped me become much more conceptual. And it was the first innovation role that I'd ever had. And the only reason why we came together is because 
she never saw lines or boxes. Everything was white space. And I came from our compliance team <laughs> and saw lines and saw roadblocks first. And so we were the complete opposite, but we met in the middle really, really, really well. And she taught me how to throw the rules out as uncomfortable as it might be and, and what steps I could take in order to do that. And it was honestly just repeating that process over and over and over again to the point where now there are situations where I don't start from a place of standards or rules or headwinds and we just play and we just explore. And then we'll naturally gravitate towards where there are constraints, where is their tension and, and work through that. I always find that pairing, right? That relationship is, especially in small businesses and entrepreneurial organizations, there's generally a good yin and yang yeah. that you're going to find at the top of, and I, I think it's a mix between accelerator and break, right? If yeah. it's all accelerator, uh, Absolutely. you're probably going to crash. And if it's all break, you're not going anywhere. Absolutely. Right. So you've got to, and I think that's the throttle between those two points was where you find one traction. So you're not just spinning your wheels, but then two, you don't want to go off the track and you don't want to stay here either. So it's, is that a pattern that you like, if you're engaging with different parts of the organization, are you, are you considering those personality types when you're thinking about uh, having an, an effect within the organizations within United? Well, I would say when it comes to cross-functional or interdepartment relationships, and that's really what we're talking about is it's about understanding your colleagues, what their needs are, what their motivations are, what their styles are. And honestly, communication is so key and understanding the way you communicate and how they're going to receive it. Because if you can find common ground in a conversation, conversation can be so powerful because it can unlock questions or answers that can really start to guide you down a path that you'd never thought of. And that's when it gets really fun and really exciting. And you see light bulbs go off and both parties are getting energy from it. And that's what's really exciting. So I definitely agree that when it comes to the pairings and the yin and yangs, I mean, there's there's always a happy medium, but you don't want the extremes. You need the extremes right. in order to build the right team. But you also need to understand how those extremes can come together and work well and augment and supplement and complement one another. And I've found that as much as I might love to pull on the one that's pushing the gas and the other one that's pushing the brakes, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of that opposite in your life, but you're never going to really succeed, at least from an innovation standpoint, unless you have all of those extremes. If you're thinking completely outside the box and then you're thinking about how can this scale and be operationalized because nine times out of 10, it's not gonna scale and be operationalized in the original ideation phase. And so you can't just have one extreme or the other. And that's when teams come together. It's a lot harder than it sounds, but when you can unlock it, it's really powerful and magnetic too. It seems like you're unlocking everyone's potential because like you said, you're not behind this closed curtain. You're out there, you're engaging with all of your colleagues, whether they're part of the innovation space or not. So that sounds like it's a critical piece. Absolutely. The potential is where the value comes into play for this type of function within the company. And 
you have to have leaders and team members that believe in its potential because that's what you have. Ultimately, if you're future forward the way we are, you don't live for today. You live for tomorrow. You live for the potential. And you have to believe in that and believe that you're going to get there. And how are you going to get there? It starts from somewhere. It starts from a place, an idea, a collaboration, whatever that is. But you have to be seeing down the road and down the path and believe in where things can go and then hold true to that and not bend, not compromise, not water down what that potential means to bottom line, to growth, whatever that is that you're trying to ultimately achieve. It would seem as you're engaging these, every organization has politics, right? You have more Mm -hmm. than three human beings involved in something, there's going to be politics, right? So with that, when you engage with folks and you're trying to get them to, you know, look downfield and, uh, you know, everybody falls into what's important today and, you know, the businesses and and we all do that, right? That's, Mm -hmm. but I'd see that as part of the challenge to get people to, to look downfield a little bit, even though, you know, everybody knows they should. Sometimes it's hard to get people to get out of their silo. What are some of your tricks, tools, tips that you use to kind of refresh, remind, get people to to see a different perspective? It's a hard question to answer coming from the industry that I'm in, because the industry that I'm in is all about minutes and seconds right now. Mm-hmm. And you never have enough resources. You know, you always could use another set of eyes or another brain or pair of hands. And so even the best intentioned teams or peers of mine sometimes don't have the time to be able to devote to whether it's long-term strategy or just thinking differently, taking a bit of time out for themselves in order to kind of refresh and start anew. But at the end of the day, I think you're either built for the greater purpose of the company or you're built for yourself. And if you're built for yourself, you can still accomplish something that's really impactful and valuable for the company, but it's going to be very short-lived because you are not invested in the long-term. And I think it's really important in industries like mine where there's a lot of quote unquote geeks or av geeks, aviation geeks, who love to learn, love to explore, love to spend their extra time researching and understanding different things that can support their job, their travel habit, whatever it is. And and oftentimes work and play is intertwined in my industry, which is fun. And so I like to promote when people aren't working and they're exploring, they're traveling, they're in a service environment, something that is akin to what they're doing, you know, what have they seen and experienced that's worked really well and why not apply that? And that's why from an innovation lab standpoint, we don't really look within the industry. We look at other industries. We are open to all types of inspiration. And I would say as long as you're somebody that can be open and, and I encourage people to do that, then they'll be able to be inspired and start to connect dots they wouldn't have otherwise. But you really have to be open to it. And that has to be kind of ingrained in you to a certain degree. There's a couple of concepts that I'm hearing throughout this conversation. One, you know, there's the mindset book by Professor Dwork about whether you have an open or closed mindset. And I think that's one concept that I, I hear of like having people who are 
you know, open to the idea that we're not perfect mm -hmm. and that's okay. We're going to get better. Like perfection is not a destination we'll ever reach. The other part that I, I hear is, you know, Patrick Lencioni's got his pyramid of team health. And it's something that I use a lot with software teams around the idea that like, you know, our, one is their trust, right? Is mm -hmm. there healthy conflict? Mm -hmm. And then the ultimate level is in it for the big picture win, right? Like is, is the team around, like, instead of like, yeah, I'm good. Those guys are bad, right? My, my silo is good. Or is it everybody looks at it from a, a bigger picture of like mm -hmm. the team, the company, the organization needs to win, not just me. And if I have to take a hit or I have to jump in and help this underperforming team, I'm committed to doing that. Is that something that a pattern that you've seen where where innovation flourishes and is is going to be successful? The the healthier the team is, the how much they're they're kind of focused on on the long term goals. Yeah, I would say that in a innovation team, a corporate innovation team, it's very rare to have silos. You might have certain roles within the team that are focused on different ways of working or initiatives or maybe even things like horizons or swim lanes but when you look at other areas of a company whether it's finance whether it's strategy whether it's even you know technology development there's handoffs there's responsibilities where you're going to do this and then i might tack on to it or reach out to me if it crosses over here and that's not to say that there's no collaboration. There certainly is, but there's more defined swim lanes and responsibilities than in a corporate innovation culture where it truly becomes a dependency on others to come together at certain points in time, whether it is what you talked about, you know, tension, which can be very healthy. When it comes to ideation, I mean, that's key. No solid ideation comes from one individual. And that's where that inclusion comes into play and that diversity of thought background comes into play. So I would say that ultimately in innovation, it is much more about the culture that you're creating, the fact that you're all united behind a shared passion and purpose. We can say that all day long for every department's mission in a company, but it's very easy to still be successful and get a paycheck and not believe in the unification of a team. You can just show up, get paid and leave. And that's very hard to do when you're so intertwined within an innovation hub, just by sheer nature of the work, the agile nature of it, how iterative it is, the fast paced nature, the creativity, the seeing what's not there and playing with what is, those really aren't siloed experiences more often. And then whatever you create is gonna die if it just stays with you. So there is a sense of sharing and you can't just hand something over. No one's been successful handing anything over to somebody else to continue. I've seen enough Top Chef reality shows where, you know, <laughs> one chops the onions and then hands it over to somebody else. And then they're thinking, okay, that's not how I would have chopped it. Or I wouldn't have used yellow onions. I would have used red onions and, and all of that. And so there does have to be communication and collaboration at certain point. It's just not a, a siloed handoff. Oh, makes perfect sense. I think, uh, you know, one of the concepts we've discussed before is this misconstruing of what is innovation, right? And, you know, one of the things you've shared is too often we hear the term, or at least I hear the term innovation theater, right? So it's like, we've got a team, 
they can do like a great road show, but there's not really a whole lot of value coming out of that, right? But the CEO gets to say, hey, I've got, I've got an innovation team and it's it's really exciting to to tell people that. But from your perspective, that's not really what you should be doing. Not at all. I mean, ultimately, you're not going to have a long-term gig if you're not producing, period. It doesn't matter what role you're in. And there is a lot of shiny object syndrome when it comes to innovation and even technology now across both of those. And it's really hard to say no to something that you've never seen before and you think is really cool. But at a certain point, it does need to translate into value. And you want to make sure that your time and your resources are going to something that is going to have impact. Otherwise, it's not going to last. Now, could you have one person and have them be your innovation lead permanently forever and they're in a role to inspire and to help train others to think differently and they're not physically producing solutions that are going to improve the operations? Absolutely. And they can still be very successful. And that's a very different innovation approach for a company. And it's certainly very valued and wise. But the ones that to your point, just have, you know, road shows or have showcases, unless they're there to inspire or to provoke conversation, Mm. which can be really impactful and exciting. They're not going to ultimately last. And it's going to be seen as, as a joke and something that might've been really attractive and sexy for some employees to want to work in. They'll find very quickly that it's not really going to get them anywhere if they're not able to really see the fruits of of their time spent and the labor behind it. It's interesting. And he, I think, as you've said before, even if the objective is to be provocative and, and kind of get the big picture, the moonshot out, right? Mm-hmm. There still needs to be some structure. There's got to be, these are really more of experiments, right? There's got to be some kind of scientific approach or rigor to like, this is what we're testing for. I know that's something you've touched on before. Yeah, absolutely. You want enough structure and framework so that the way you're operating is consistent. You're able to assign value metrics or return metrics on you know the time spent by a team or the dollar spent. There are ways to create structure within innovation, and I think it's absolutely necessary and needed. It's just a matter of where do you add structure, being thoughtful about it, How do you create structure that still allows for flexibility, spontaneity? And I think as long as you have the right, I would say, intake, funnel, prioritization, and kind of scope of where you are going to innovate and on what, and you have processes in place for those types of handoffs, if it's something that you're building within a team or you're conceiving in a team and is not going to scale within that same team, you're going to need some form of process for that. And then ultimately metrics to show that you're growing, because if you can't compare year over year, whether it's based on number of ideas, number of scaled outcomes, number of new ways of working or processes or growth within a team, again, you're not going to be able to prove the worth and the value. And that's still something that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what team you're in or, or what you're doing to better serve a company. You have to prove that. Awesome. Shelly, any questions? I'm just curious if someone asked you your advice, if they're starting up a new innovation hub internally, what's, what's your biggest learning or, or what advice would you give to them? One thing that I didn't have as much appreciation for as I do now, 15-ish months 
later is the entrepreneurial spirit and the startup mentality that you have on a day-to-day basis. If you're doing it right and you're doing it to be long lasting and to really embed yourself within a company and you're creating this as a new function or maybe even a new entity as an offshoot, you really have to look at it like its own company, like its own startup. You have to create your own set of rules, hiring practices, culture, how you work with each other and beyond, how you sell your products and services and present yourself, the vernacular that you use to, you know, the the try and fail and scale, all of that is still very present. And I didn't really look at it in that lens. And I also expected that there would be quicker momentum and success. And ultimately, you have to have a lot of patience, just like any startup, it takes years before you really are turning a profit. And I would say you can have quick wins very early on, but to be really sustaining in terms of an operational model to really expand and grow at the appropriate time without failing and going the opposite way, you really have to be able to take care and grow it and cultivate it with the right amount of of focus and time and determination and love and passion for where it's going. Good stuff. Thank you. That is great stuff. And uh, I think that term grit fits in there kind of perfectly, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. And then there's, in a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurial businesses, there's a balance between unrelenting and foolish, right? So it's really uh, to understand uh, we've really rigorously tried this. We need to pivot as opposed to I pivot way too early or I pivot way too late, right? Because there's a clock running and I think there's, it takes a certain type of person to be okay in those types of environments. And so I applaud you for everything that you've accomplished. Oh, thank you. Well, I absolutely agree with what you just said. And there is a fine line between pushing forward and being unrelenting and having a bit of a moxie to you and not wanting to compromise the vision, which honestly happens quite a bit in corporate America when you're trying to develop something like this, you know, inside, because it's just kind of flies in the face of a lot of the the standards and practices that exist. But you also have to be okay with advertising failures and be okay with changing and pivoting. And that's the nature of it. And frankly, if you or your team isn't okay with that and can't do it, then you're in the wrong team in the wrong area because everyone else in the company is going to look to you to be that much more comfortable with pivoting and failure and adjustments and having that resiliency. So... I absolutely believe it's more art than science for sure, but it really is important to kind of stick to your guns, your original vision, but know what is flexible and how agile you do really need to be in order to pivot at the right time. I think one of the critical elements for a lot of people who start businesses is when they realize that it's not about them, Mm -hmm. right? When you realize and you finally give over to the idea that I'm here to serve, right? I actually have to put my, so many times people start businesses and they're like, oh, I see the problem and I have the answer. And it's like the odds of that are very low, right? Uh, It doesn't mean you won't get to the right answer. It just means you're on a journey and you've got to, again, like you said, not pivot too quick, right? But also there is a point where you go, "Uh, you know, 
almost every startup I know has that moment when they finally hit product market fit and they have sold four or five different versions of whatever product. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we should have never done that. It's like, well, if you didn't do that, you wouldn't be alive. So you're absolutely right. Looking back on the evolution is really, really important. And oftentimes we don't do that as professionals or even personally in our own lives. But absolutely. And it harkens back to what I had said about, you know, are you in it for yourself? Or are you in it for something greater? And mm-hmm. really the uniqueness of innovators, I think, is the spirit of wanting to create something for the greater good, whatever that is, product, service, experience, and wanting to unlock the full potential. You may not ever feel like you've reached it. You may always feel like there's kind of the next thing coming, but for sure, it's all about something greater. And that's that's been my entire career is is roles of service and working with with others and something that is much greater than myself and whatever it takes to get their blood sweat and tears we'll do it <laughs> love it jory again thank you so much for coming on the show today really uh congratulations again on all the success uh, you know would love to hear how things are progressing as we get through this year maybe you come back on on the show maybe later in the year and you can give us an update on how things are going if that's okay oh, thank you for having me i appreciate it great time Awesome. We also want to thank our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32. Dante32.